I want to tell you how blessed I am and how honored I am to be here. I want to thank God and Majors Phil and Debbie Long, along with Lum, along with our Director of Pastoral Services, Thomas Chung, to allow me for allowing me to speak this morning. You know, I don't take lightly the protection that needs to be around this pulpit and the responsibility that we carry to preach the uncompromised word of God. And so thank you so much for trusting me to be up here. Now, although I've spoken to a lot of large groups of women, I've not actually preached in the sanctuary before with having men in the sanctuary as well. And so I was saying this, I was talking with one of our directors, Joe Harvey Hall, and I was telling him, he asked me, and I said, no, Joe, I've never really preached in the sanctuary. I've talked to women, aside from my class with the ARC guys, but never in a bigger setting like this. And he said, no problem, just picture all the men in dresses. <laughs> and so guys, I want to tell you how very cute you all look this morning. Okay. Well, let's get down to business because God has a word for us today. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord. Father, help me to empty myself of me. Father, let it be all about you, Father God, that you would plant in my heart the words that you want to come through my mouth, Father God, that those words would go forward, Heavenly Father, and seed into your children here that it would accomplish what you have set it out to accomplish in Jesus' name. You know, even before Thomas spoke to me about preaching this morning, God had been speaking to me about the word character, and more specifically, my character. He spoke to me about how important it is for my character to be in check if I am going to fulfill the mission that he has for my life. And I thought about that, and I looked up the word character in the Oxford Dictionary. I love that word, Oxford. It sounds so regal in English. But there were three things in the definition that really caught my attention. And the first one, it said, character is the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. You know, as Christians, there should be a very distinctive mental and moral quality about us that separates us from the, worst, the rest of the world. It said, character is strength and originality in a person's nature. Well, we serve a mighty God, the original one and only God, and that should be reflected in our character. The last thing it said that caught my attention, it said, a person's character is their good reputation. As a Christian, our reputation is so important. It should be good and Christ-like so that people will follow us as we follow Christ. My question to you and to me this morning is, does your character fit God's mission for your life? This morning, we're going to look at a man from the book of Genesis. I'm sure a very familiar character to all of you. His name is Abraham. Abraham father to Isaac, grandfather to Jacob, and great-grandfather to Joseph and his 11 brothers. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph talk about a powerful lineup. If this was baseball, it would be like the Yankees Murderers Row championship lineup with Abraham as the leadoff hitter. A lineup so powerful that pitchers dreaded facing them. Abraham 
father of many nations. He must have been a man of flawless character. Let's take a look. In Genesis 12, 1 to 3, we read the call of Abraham. The Bible says, the Lord said to Abram, and God renamed him Abraham, and that's a message for another time. But God said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Just a little background without getting too detailed. In those days, the people were no longer worshiping our one God. They had lapsed from worshiping our one God to worshiping many gods and practicing idolatry. They deified forces of nature, the sun, rain, fire, other people, animals. Abraham, however, remained a righteous man, and now God was calling him out to begin a movement to redeem and reclaim mankind. That is a huge calling. Abraham had just moved from the lead-off hitter to the cleanup spot. He was going to be the go-to guy, the guy expected to bring everyone home, to turn the world around, mission possible or impossible. Today's world is not so different from the days of Abraham. Too many people today either don't know God or they once knew God but have fallen away to the temptation of the world. If our team, Team Jesus, is to be victorious in this game of life, we need some modern-day Abrahams. Could you, could I, be that righteous person who can stand tall in a world that's falling apart? Can you step up to the plate and hit that grand slam to bring people home to Jesus? Because God, he has given you a great, he has a great mission for your life. He has a great mission for my life. But God can't take us where our character won't keep us. I've also heard character defined like this. Character is who you are when nobody's looking. You know, like in the store, when the cashier gives you too much change back, do you bring it to her attention and return the money? Or do you walk out calling it a blessing? <laughs> How about with the shopping cart? When you've loaded all your groceries into your car, do you take the shopping cart back to where it belongs? Or do you just abandon it in the parking lot and drive away? Character shows up in the small things. Character also shows up in the bigger things of life. In today's world, some people think money is the answer to all their problems. And don't get me wrong, God wants us to have money. We can help so many people, and we can do so many great things when we have money. God just doesn't want money to have us. People flock to Vegas the ninth island in the Hawaiian chain. In hopes of winning the big one, millions of people are buying lottery tickets for that one in a gazillion chance. Did you know that according to follow-up studies, 70% of these winners of millions of dollars via the lottery, within five to 10 years, they're broke again. That's crazy, right? What happened? What went wrong? 
a lack of character. Because you see, church, money just amplifies who we already are. So if our character is lacking, it'll just be a bigger lacking of character if we have a lot of money. We see that in big-time athletes and other celebrities that make tons of money, but they go through money and marriages like water. Here are just a couple of examples about the lottery. Number one, in a bizarre twist of luck, New Jersey resident Evelyn Adams won the state's lottery twice. Not once, but twice. How lucky is that? But she managed to squander her $5.4 million total winnings. Adams, a compulsive gambler, spent the bulk of her payout at Atlantic City casinos. She wound up in a trailer. Winning the lottery isn't always what it's cracked up to be, she later told reporters. How about this one? The curse of the Powerball. How many of you have wanted to win that Powerball? Don't worry, sure. Don't worry. <laughs> right? It was called the gift of a lifetime. West Virginian Jack Whitaker won a $315 million Powerball jackpot on Christmas Day, 2002. But when strangers descended on him demanding a piece of the fortune, he turned to alcohol and strip clubs. He also lavished cars, diamonds, and cash on his granddaughter, only 17 years old, Brandy Bragg. Bragg's life as a normal teenager spiraled out of control. She spent tens of thousands of dollars on shopping sprees, diamond stud earrings for her boyfriends, chartered planes to Vegas, and lots of crack cocaine. Meanwhile, Grandpa Whitaker, his marriage disintegrated as he became notorious for his philandering ways, once offering a local woman $10,000 to dance around and strip in her underwear. She declined. Smart woman. In 2004, just two years after Grandpa Whitaker won his fortune, his granddaughter was found dead of an apparent overdose. With the bulk of Whitaker's jackpot, Merely a memory, Whitaker told reporters his dream Powerball win had turned into a life's nightmare. I wish, he said, we had torn the lottery ticket up. What a sad story. So church, the next time you pray, God, just give me money. Give me lots of money, and I promise I'll do good. I'll use it for good. Truth is, Unless your character has been built up in the things of God, chances are you'll be the next rags to riches, back to rags story. Let me ask this question. How many of you believe that the Bible, God's word, from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, is the absolute word of God? That it is the truth and God's game plan for us to have a successful life. It is, right? And so I ask this next question, and don't raise your hand, because it's food for thought, not confession, at least not now. But it does tell us something about how obedient we are to God's word. How many of us consistently tithe? Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there might be food in my house to eat. 
Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings so big you will not be able to contain it. What a powerful scripture. If we really believe that the entire Bible is true and we are obedient to God's word, then tithing would not be an issue. That's why here at the Croc Center, we offer the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University class. It's based on the Bible, principles that we can all get God's wisdom, peace, and freedom in our finances so that our character can fit God's mission in every arena of our lives, including our finances. We don't have to buy a ticket for the lottery. If everyone did money God's way, this world would be such a better place. Dave Ramsey says it like this, live and give like no one else so that later on you can live and give like no one else. Church, obedience is the key to walking effectively in God's mission for your life. When God says to go, we need to be like Abraham and go. When God says to do, we need to be like Nike and just do it. When God tells, to, tells us to bring, we need to bring it, as in bring all the tithes. God's word is simple. It's just not easy. And I'll let that sink in for a moment. God's word is simple. It's just not easy. You see, your character will be challenged. God doesn't call us to be perfect. He just calls us to be obedient. I've told you some tragic stories. Now let's take a look at a man who has done well with the mission that God has set before him. His name is Albert Pujols. And I want you to watch this video clip. The main thing is uh, to be humble and know what you're doing in the field, and that's uh, glorify Jesus Christ, you know, in the field and off the field. And uh, I take advantage of the platform that God has given me, you know, because uh, people think uh, it's just a baseball player. I think God has given me this platform so I can glorify Him and do things, you know, off the field to reach to people and to share my testimony with people who need it and to try to spread the, the word of Jesus Christ, which to me, that's the most important thing. And that's our job as a believer. You know, uh, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So uh, I believe that God has called me to, to be a leader in my house. And then uh, through that, I'll be able to witness to my teammates and witness to the fans, you know, uh, with, my, with my walk. It's not just talk to talk, but walk through, you know. And God has given me that platform, you know, and to be able to have uh, teammates and, uh, you know, and my team who's our believer, you know, that we encourage each other and pray and, and, and story the Bible together every Wednesday. And, and that's how you grow. I was never like that. I mean, I've been a believer for almost 12 years now. And, uh, and it's it just like taking baby step, you know, and now over the last seven or six years, uh, six or seven years, I have grown so much in my walk with Christ, and it was never like that, you know. 
And still, uh, you know, people look at you as a Christian and they think that you have to be perfect. No, the only one that was perfect was Jesus Christ, you know. And, uh, you know, we want to be perfect as much as we can, but we're always going to have some challenge in our life and we need to rely on Jesus Christ. Well, definitely, and that started in our home, just to be humble, you know, be humble to our wife, be humble to, you know, to people that sometimes try to uh, humiliate us, you know, and, and I think the main thing is to make sure that uh, our focus is on Christ and uh, don't worry about what people say, uh, you know, and that's one thing. Uh, when I became a new believer, just like 2 Corinthians 5, 7 things, therefore, is anything being Christ, he's a new creation. All things has gone, new things has come. So that means that it doesn't matter what I did 10 years or 15 years ago. What matters is what I'm doing now for Jesus Christ, you know. So every day just, you know, just try to walk for Christ and live for Him, you know. And uh, just do all things, just like the Bible says, you know. I can do all things through Christ with strength in me, and that's Philippians 4.13, you know. And those are my two favorite, favorite verses, you know, that I try to keep it in my mind all the time, you know. And just make sure that I stay humble, you know. With all the success that I have in, in this gang, uh, it's really easy to stumble. But uh, to me, uh, you know, this is a platform that, ha that God has given me, uh, you know, so I can honor him, but at the same time, to get to know people. And I, I take that. And, uh, you know, I thank God for everything that I have, that I have accomplished in this game, you know. And, uh, but the main thing, I think, is uh, to be humble, you know, and stay humble all the time, no matter the success, no matter how much you struggle in your life, you know, just go to Christ. And I always believe that Jesus doesn't need us, but we need Him to survive in our life. And, and that's pretty much it, you know. Now, isn't that what fame and fortune should be about? Albert Pujols. You know, and you may not be a Pujols fan, but it doesn't matter. Because as a Christian, not everyone's going to be a fan of yours. And it can be tough. It may hurt. Especially when the very people you love may mock your Christianity. But you still have to push forward with the mission that God has called you to. Pujols, as many of you know, has been with the Anaheim Angels for the last few years, and his, and his numbers have not been the same. There's even talk of buyer's remorse by the Angels Club, a tough situation for sure. When you're no longer the hero on the field, when the crowd isn't chanting your name anymore, it's tough. But off the field, Pujols, he continues to be a hero. He does great things for children who have Down syndrome and their, and their families. He puts on a prom for teenagers with Down syndrome. He, he sponsors a bowling event for girls with Down syndrome and their mothers that they would have quality mother-daughter time together. He has support groups for mothers of kids with Down syndrome so that they can get together and do fun things together and encourage each other. Pujols, no matter how tough the situation, he continues to give and to do as God instructs him to. And as a side note, ladies, when he met his wife, she already had that young baby with Down syndrome. 
So matter what your past, single ladies, God can still bring you that handsome man of God. So never ever let the devil think that you're used or damaged goods because God has your back. Even Abraham, this great man, father of many nations, he wasn't perfect. As we look at Genesis 12 again, verses 10 to 13, just seven verses after Abraham's great calling, it says, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt to live for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. So say, you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. You know, as women, that's not what we want to hear, right? As women, we want to hear our man say, hey, babe, you see those Egyptians over there? They're going to come here and make trouble. But don't worry, because when they come here, I'm going to kick them back to kingdom come. And if they take you, just like in the movies, it says, don't worry. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how far they take you. I'm going to find you. Right? That's the hero that we think of as women. But Abraham here, just seven verses after his great calling by God, he's already wimping out. Or how about in chapter 16? The Bible says, Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she says to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Yikes. (laughs) But Abraham could have said, now honey, maybe we should talk more about this. I don't think you're thinking straight. But no, Abraham doesn't say that. Like any red-blooded local guy from Hawaii, Abraham says, shoot. And he's gone to Hagar's house, right? If this was Becky and Steve Luke, you know Steve would be history (laughs) as Steve salutes. But have you ever wanted something so bad? You were so desperate that you found yourself saying things and doing things that are so out of your character. You know, in marriages, when we see one spouse make a mistake and they maybe have an affair, And so the other spouse says, I'll fix him or I'll fix her. And they also go have an affair. That's crazy. How about in your finances? When we start doing that creative finances, we borrow from Peter to pay Paul. Then we hope that Paul doesn't deposit the check too soon because you didn't deposit all the money that Peter gave you to cover that check you wrote to Paul. Instead of waiting on God, you try to make things happen in your own flesh. And everything gets messed up. And note, it was Sarah that told Abraham to go to Hagar's house, not God. How about the flip side of that? When you want something, have you ever been so desperate for something that you were willing to do everything that God told you to do for as long as he told you to do it? I have a brother, and he was so desperate to see me come to Christ. He prayed for 10 years. And it didn't matter how many mistakes I made in life, how many stupid, crazy decisions he saw me make. 
It didn't matter how many times I struck out in the game of life. He stayed the course, and he just kept praying for me. And oftentimes, I'd see him praying, and he was the pastor, and he'd cry. And he'd pray and he'd cry, and for 10 years he did that. But today I understand the cry of his heart was to see his sister come to Christ. You know, my brother, he died at the young age of 45 in 2001. And at his funeral, I will always remember Pastor Ait Sataraka, who was my brother's mentor. He was addressing us the day, be- the day that we buried my brother. And he looked at my family out there and he said, Dale is now with our Heavenly Father. Because Dale was such a great man of God. And there was no question where he was after he passed from this earth. And Pastor Ike said to my family, he said, Dale is gone, but he's stretching out the baton to you, to all of you. Who will step up to the plate and receive the baton? You know, something that day clicked in me. And I knew it was I that had to receive that baton from my brother and continue to run the race and continue to push for the mission that was such the cry, the passion of my brother's heart. And I celebrate today because I know that he's in heaven doing a little victory dance because his sister has come to Christ. And I know that it is only by God's grace that I stand before you here today bringing forth the word of God. Do we serve an awesome God or what? Amen. God knows, the be- God knows the end from the beginning of our mission. You know, in Genesis chapter 2, 22, verse 5, we read about Abraham's greatest test of obedience. And for sake of time, I won't go and read the whole scripture, the whole chapter, but you know the story. God told Abraham to bring his son Isaac and to offer him on the altar as a sacrifice. And Abraham, for all his imperfections, Abraham scored a perfect on the test that day. He hit a home run. He knew his father God had his back. He just needed to be obedient. God told him to put Isaac, his son, his only son, on the altar And Abraham obeyed, and God provided the miracle of a ram in the bush. Most of us think it unfathomable that God would ask that of Abraham, or that Abraham would comply and obey. But I suggest to you that even Abraham knew the end from the beginning. May I draw your attention again to verse 5. Abraham tells his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Somehow Abraham knew that Isaac would be okay, that God was up to something. The God of Abraham is the same God today. When we obey and give our absolute best, he is faithful even in the hardest of situations. God's ways are not our ways. So the end result may not be what we pictured it should be, but ultimately, God works it out for our good. Church, if you know the end from the beginning, that we win 
When you have salvation, we win. No matter how many times you might strike out in life, that God still wants us on his team. You could do the unimaginable, just like Abraham. What challenge are you facing today? Does it seem like you're in an impossible, you're in an impossible situation? You know, last week, Santos, he brought forth such a powerful word. And the response for prayer, for healing, for family unity, for salvation, for men to rise up in their leadership, it was so awesome. Seemingly impossible situations that are actually opportunities for God to provide a ram in the bush. For those who know my past and some of the crazy, stupid mistakes that I've made, this is definitely a ram in the bush kind of moment. It is the grace of God that I stand before you and speak today. God allows certain things to happen in our lives to build our character for his bigger plans. He allows us to go through a wilderness season to test our obedience, to do greater things. He wants to take us higher. He wants to take us to do greater things. He wants us our obedience in our character so that we can be strengthened to carry the more that he has for our future. Church, he wants to promote you, to take you higher. He has your ram in the bush. God sent Jesus Christ as the miracle ram in the bush who was sacrificed on the altar of the cross instead of you and me. God has a great plan for each and every one of us to be agents of change in a lost and hurting world. He has a mission for my life. He has a mission for your life. And that is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ via whatever platform he has given you. But our character has to fit the mission. It all starts at home base. Many of us want to step up to the plate and go to bat for Jesus. But there are some things in our past that we've done that haven't been so Christ-like. And that may be holding us back. Can I tell you, it's okay. God has forgiven you. And he has a game plan to get you to all-star status. Here's the game plan. Remember, God's word is simple. It's just not easy. The game plan is spend time daily with him in prayer. Be faithful in reading his word. Ask him to direct your path. And I guarantee you, your batting average will grow. I leave you with this. Matthew 28, 19 to 20, the great commission. Jesus says, therefore go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Amen.